Spawn on Me is the premier podcast spotlighting people of color. Every week, we talk news, what we've been playing, and tell you who's invited to the cookout. Our show is all about talking about gaming through a prism of blackness because we are the culture. Welcome to Prokaka, y'all. Yo! What the deal be, everybody? Spawn on me is live in full effect. What the deal be? Episode 457 up in your ears and eye holes. Rocking with y'all. I'm chilling here in Portland, Oregon. Getting it in. We're going to talk some video games today. We're going to talk a whole bunch of dopeness. I got my, you know, there's a lot of conversations this week about, you know, going to the Game Awards and the swag and, and, and how you had to come through with the right looking clothes to make sure you're looking dope because everybody up in Game Awards was not looking swaggy enough for some people. So I decided to rock the robe fit, looking like I got eaten by a coochie sweater. It looks dope on camera. It looks dope in real life. I'm feeling comfortable. Also, I hurt my back this morning, but that doesn't make a difference because this is what we do here when we roll up into the show. Here on Spawn on Me on Twitch.tv slash Spawn on Me. Make sure you're clipping the fit. Make sure you're putting that on all your social medias. Make sure you're putting that in all the places in the world because this is what it goes like. Silent Ninja in the chat is like, yo, Jedi Rogue. Yo, I rock with all the lightsabers. I don't care if they're purple. I don't care if they red. All I want is a lime green lightsaber. Because then I look like a Jolly Rancher swinging at people. That joint is dope. Cameron Kent, mad love to you for the subscription. Love to you. If you want to support the show, always subscribe to the show on all the podcast feeds. Subscribe here on Twitch at twitch.tv slash spawn on me. Spend five bucks. Rock with us. Use your Twitch, your Twitch Prime. You can also get up here with all that goodness, too. I am very excited. It is a very good day. I have been uh, in pretty good spirits most of the day, uh, even though I did hurt myself uh, last night and into this morning. Uh, it was it was a fun time of being like, oh, yeah, uh, my my my. My body is just cheating on me with, with health. <laughs> it's found other people to find health with uh, and is going and doing its thing over there as opposed to being inside my body. Again, some of that is me just messing it up and, and being old and decrepit and, and not taking care of my body. But some of that is also father time. Father time is an asshole and, and doesn't care about your life and just wants to do what he wants to do. But that's okay. That's all right. I'm not mad at it. It's all right. It's okay. I dig it. You know, it's just the way that it winds up working. It's all good. I'm just saying it's okay. Um, I'm excited to have you here rock with me. Thank you for coming by this week and every week. You know, we've been off for a couple of weeks. I've been doing some some soul searching, trying to figure out some good ways to bring a really good show to all of you. Uh, but we had a really good show last week. That, uh, if you missed that on the podcast feeds, uh, all about AI art my feelings about it, where we're kind of stand in terms of my mind, in terms of the way that the conversation is going. And and I, I hope that people enjoyed that show, or at least, you know, if you did have some trepidation around it, and still, I think most people who are really paying attention do, uh, maybe it opened up your mind to, to some of the conversations in a much broader sense. Again, I want to bring on, I'm actually planning on trying to bring on someone who we've had on the show before, to talk directly about AI art and and as a person who is a creative artist for a video game studio and has been for a couple of years, how they are thinking about this too. So that may be an upcoming show. I think that'll also give some good guidance and, and conversation to all of those very nuanced spaces um, within that conversation. Um, also, while we're having the, the, the conversation today, I want to talk a little bit about 
Um, a really good friend of mine who I dearly love and appreciate, you know, someone who, you know, has been a guiding light for me, someone who I think is um, a really beautiful human being and someone who I think is like a person that has really shown me a lot of love over the years and I think has been really brilliant at everything that he does. Um, it's been so cool to, to know about folks like Ray Apollo. Uh, in this space and, and, and to want to give just a second, you know, a couple of seconds of my time to, to, to give him some direct love and to say, you know, Ray, I, you know, I think of you as a, as a person who has done so much good in this space. Um, it's been so wonderful to have you in my life. Uh, and it's been great to see you have these consistent and constant growth spurts uh, within the video game industry. It's been so cool to see all of this happen over the past couple of years. I just wanted to, you know, spread some love. I think there's a lot of times in this world where we don't get a chance to spread love to people in the world. And I think now is a wonderful time to be able to do that to a person who I dearly love and really appreciate. So I wanted to just give a, a moment to, to again, thank Ray Apollo for, for all that he does in the industry. And um, I just want to continue to see him grow and, and do everything that he, he does so well. So mad love to you, Ray. I love you, fam. Hope to see you soon. So before we do that, oh, wow. Well, after we did that, uh, we're going to talk a lot about the Game Awards today. Uh, that's going to be the main thrust of the conversation. So let's get into the 411 and get all into it. So this week, we're going to talk all about the Game Awards. The Game Awards just happened last week. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Earlier this week, I'm botching up time because uh, who knows what time is. So it happened on Thursday. Today is Sunday. Uh, the Game Awards dropped is the biggest gaming show of the year. And I think a lot of the conversations were really around a couple of different layers. One was, you know, from a viewer perspective, was the show going to be as long as it was the previous couple of years, which ran three plus hours um, and, and, and really kind of drug down the overall vibe of the show? Um, what new games would we see? Because the Game Awards is the place to see uh, world, prem world premieres of new games and new games being talked about. Um, would we see any of the games that we had expectations for that maybe got announced in the previous year's show? We were going to get the updates in terms of game uh, uh, videos and, and gameplay videos and things like that. And what were the surprises? Who were the people who showed up? What were some of the presenters? All of those things that were kind of, you know, in the space uh, all over. Um, you know, I, I think the show was really good this year. I think um, from a length standpoint, there were... A lot of different things and, and Jeff Keighley went on record on Twitter a couple days prior to the show and said look we want to make sure that the show is a little bit tighter this year we're going to hopefully keep it under two and a half hours or around two and a half hours um, and immediately that got blown out of the water by Christopher Judge going on his uh, acceptance speech world tour for probably at least 10 minutes <laughs> or maybe even longer than that um, and it was it was a funny moment because it just tells you again where you know putting on shows like this aren't isn't easy it's not an easy task to do this do this well and to also make sure that it is um you know in in your in your best uh vision of what a live show can be 
everything is hitting on all the cylinders. You're nailing everything one after the other. Everything is on time. No one's messing up. No one's flubbing. Anything of that stuff is happening. And this is just, again, to show you just how wonderful live programming can be because Judge went on the dopest conversation. It wasn't even an acceptance speech. It was a conversation with the audience and the rest of the streaming world. And he had just won best performance. And, you know, Gives that man some love. It was dope to be able to see him. He went he went too long. But it was nice to be able to see someone like that in this space talk about his experiences and how he got to be in that role. Um, and it was cool because it was like you don't really get a chance to see that happen. And it, and it was funny because one of the biggest criticisms around the Game Awards has been we don't get the people who won enough time to talk. Christopher Judge was like, yo, fuck that. I'm taking all the time that I want to do exactly what I want. And it was cool. Like, I know people were in the chat were like, oh, my God, Chris, like, yo, wrap it up. And I was kind of like, wrap it up, too, because I was like, not for me, but like for... I know what that means for the rest of the show. You have so many other people that you have to get on stage. So many things happen. And it was funny because right after that, everybody everybody else who won an award, they were giving them the wrap it up music super quick. They were trying to get them off the stage real fast. So it was pretty wild to see um, how that wind up turning out for the Game Awards this year. Again, it was... The spectacle was there. I think Keeley does a really great job of bringing together so many different layers of the industry. Um, he, he's a, a, a master of pageantry in a lot of different ways, which I think is really important to make a show like this succeed. Again, if it's one of those things that is going to be like, um, you know, the Oscars of the, 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 the gaming space. It needs to be kind of like this in this way. Um, so that was kind of cool. Uh, to be able to see, you know, those layers come in. Um, and I think to a certain extent, I think, you know, if I were to give the show a rating, if I was going to give it a, like, you know, out of 10 score, it would get like a seven for me. I think, you know, we're, you know, if you're watching the live show here on twitch.tv slash spawn on me, you know, we're rolling through some of the biggest, um, trailers that were shown through, through the show. And I'll be honest, you know, I, have, I put down a list of certain games that I thought were really bangers that came through. And it's a weird thing because for me, it felt like the show hit the marks that it needed to hit. But it also didn't feel like we got any like mega blockbusters, right? Like Death, Death Stranding 2... I think most people who paid attention to that game figured that there was going to be another one of those games. And again, this is me saying this from what I cared about. Like the the last game of the show that 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 kind of raised the roof for everybody and I'm still I still don't understand why cuz I just don't have familiarity or connected to that. It was Armored Core what is it 2? Um and everyone on chat was bugging out. Everyone in the audience was bugging out that I can hear from from the broadcast. And I was like, yo, this is just a big-ass mech game. I don't understand it. I'm going to try to figure out ways to be connected to it now and play it. But even with the stuff that came through, for me, the biggest announcement that really got me the most excited was Hades 2. And for me, I would have ended the show with Hades 2. Hades 2, Hades as a franchise and as a game has gone like, Way beyond and the beloved space at this point. Like, 
It is a game that is hit this. I'm sorry. Yeah, not Armor Core like six. Sorry, Jesus. I, I didn't get the numbers right. Um, but Hades 2 being announced was a huge surprise because Supergiant doesn't really go back to the well that often. They usually make bangers and then drop the mic and they leave and go on to the next project. Hades was too big for them not to make a sequel. And even though I think most people thought and understood that a sequel was going to be coming, new character as the protagonist, who we don't know because, again, like Hades, the whole you know, a uh, uh, conversation and, and kind of setting was you are the son of, you know, the gods, right? And you being a son of that space and, and having direct connection to all of these other gods as the son of a god, like really pulled something in there. So now we're going to see, you know, what this new character brings. And it's just going to be one of those like super wild dope things where I'm like so excited for it that this has raised the bar for my anticipation of this game, knowing how good the first one was, knowing how many hours and hours I spent playing it, and then knowing that we're gonna get a second version of it from a team that is just continuously brilliant. Like, they nail everything. Like, the thing about Supergiant that I think people front on is even their games that don't do critically well or, or, or financially well are still bangers, right? Like. People front on games like Pyre, right? Pyre was a really good game that people didn't play, but it was still a banger of a game. Hades, you know, if you go back uh, to Bastion and, and stuff like that, those games were like them planting their flag to say, like, this is the kind of games we're going to make. We're going to make really good versions of these. Pyre was an experiment, and, and I, I don't know if they would say it was a failed experiment. I thought it was a success, but it, I don't think it made money in the ways you'd hope. Hades was the thing that like put Supergiant on the map and blew them up. So two, getting kind of early love in the show, and, and that was kind of weird. I was like, I would have ended on that game. That would have laid, laid like the foundation for some extra hype. Um, but it came out with Armor Core, and I was like super weirdly disappointing. Um, Rocksteady coming through with Suicide Squad was a was a really cool um, kind of pull for all that. Um, it, it really was something that did come through, and and it really pulled together something that was really fun. I think a game that people were really looking forward to and excited about. Um, was something that we needed to see too. Like, I think the conversation around Gotham Knights being not as great as a lot of people liked, now moving into this space and this conversation about uh, Suicide Squad, which was a game that we had heard a little bit about, but then didn't really get to see all of it. Um, that was also a conversation piece there, which I thought was really um, smart to have in the mix. Um, you know, Tekken 8 was a big part of the conversation it was weird so like Tekken 8's thing was weird so like Bandai Namco sent out all these really fun little packages you got a t-shirt I got one it's in the back of the room I uh, got a t-shirt and stuff and it has like save the date on it right because they were going to announce more stuff at the game awards and you know it's a weird deal uh, where um, you know that kind of stuff didn't get a lot of the love that I think that also deserved either. Um, 
you know, I, it's a weird layer for that game to have gotten announced and then shown in other places, but not do a full gameplay kind of deal at the Game Awards too. Uh, um, that was kind of off to me. I felt like that was also a thing where they could have done more there to kind of build that out into more of a bigger thing. It was dope to see Harada there. It was dope to see so many other folks there celebrating fighting games in a bigger way. But I also think Tekken 8 didn't get its due in the way that we had hoped either. Like, it had done so much cool stuff with it prior did not have, like, a full blast at it. Um, so that was weird, too. Um... Judas was a really interesting game to show uh, for the folks who, who who made Bioshock. That game has gotten me really excited. I want to find out more about that. It's going to be really interesting to see where that game lands from a press perspective because of all the shit that has gotten talked about Ken Levine over the past decade. Um, that's going to be a really interesting conversation to see how and if people are excited and covering it, how much coverage it gets. You know which outlets are going to be connected to that when when those conversations come up because again like i feel like there's this space now where there's been so much antagonism between certain players in certain games uh i'm sorry certain makers of certain games and you know again some of that is definitely due like i think the the conversation around the author and you know how people who are been labeled as authors are not you know as nice and as fun to work with um with, with you know because they've been mean and they've been kind of shitty people um those things have been a little bit funky so that'll be interesting to see where that conversation lands uh it did look cool but it looked so much like an old bioshock game with with prettier visuals that that is also going to be really weird to see where that lands too i think there are a lot of titles that got talked about during the conversation that are going to really have to pay it forward when it comes to the landing of the promises that they are trying to bring from a visual standpoint, from a early conversation standpoint. Diablo uh, 4 looked really, really good. It was nice to, to, to sit through a satanic uh, ritual uh, during the show as well. Uh, I am sure that there are people in middle America in the Bible Belt in, in the gamer land who were pissed the f off <laughs> when they saw that part uh i'm sure that they called their congress people immediately once that part of the show was on <laughs> I, I, was, I was watching with the gaming illuminati team uh who are brilliant and they're super fun i was watching it and hanging out in their discord and they were doing a stream and I just sat there and I was like, oh man, someone's going to get a phone call after this. Like, I'm surprised Jeff Keighley, like, I would love to know Jeff Keighley's mentions when that part of the show came on from all the Christian right and all the folks who were there who were like super, super mega Christian to be like, I cannot believe that you put this demonic thing on my children's television screen while I was watching the game awards. How could you do this, Jeff Keighley? I think you now love the devil. That's going to be a really... <laughs> I just wish I could have seen the conversations happen in real time during that part of the show for all the people who were in that who were in that space because I know they were pissed. I know they were upset. And it's again, you, we we know what that game is. It was a dope sound. Like you know, uh, Paris Lily is in the room in our chat right now. 
at some point I'll ask him, you know, and get some feedback about like what was the vibe in the room when that part hit. The gaming industry is full of uh, folks who who are like, you know, whatever religion you rock, atheism, whatever you whatever you want to do, you do. Um, but I wonder how the vibe in the room was when that part came on for the folks who were thinking about it in that way. If there were any kind of like mini shock uh, uh, moments in the space there for that, so you know. Either way, it was super cool. I thought it was interesting. You know, the music performances for the Game Awards are kind of hit or miss because it is this connection between the games that they are talking about in kind of this more orchestral version of them. And I, and I, you know, when I was there a year ago, you know, Sting performed. We had Imagine Dragons perform. There was a bunch of people perform. And it's like a New York City hip hop crowd. People don't know how to respond to music <laughs> or performances. People either golf clap or they just kind of hum their way through it, like he and ha their way through it. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what that means for the gaming industry and the game awards going forward. What stuff gets scrapped versus what stuff kind of gets leveled up um, and where those things kind of want to land for the audience. Because I, I know the audience when I was watching Twitch chat, which again, we know how Twitch chat works. Everyone was throwing up the like, I'm bored, you know, emoji for, for most of that stuff. And I was like, man, that sucks because I know how hard that is to do. Like, it's not easy to get, you know, uh, 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 bear from Sony Santa Monica, the composer to like play the hurdy gurdy on, on stage while you're getting people to, to, to do their thing. Um, there's a lot of asks that come from all that stuff, but I think it is one of those things where, you know, those parts of the game need to be there to make it a show, right? It's like to make it a show is different because worst worst comes to worst, you can just have literally, you know, an hour and a half, two hours of just rifled through awards. And that also doesn't like feed an audience to make it feel like an experience that you care about. So it's an interesting balance between performance and brevity and commercialism and advertising advertising and you know giving the giving the audience what they need to feel like it was it was pretty pretty cool um uh comma says in the chat i like the performance if anything halsey's was a bit short and cameron ken says musical stuff is my favorite part honestly i get that like i we are thinking about that stuff too for spawnies it's like you know, how do you incorporate music into the show? How do you incorporate culture into the show? How do you do that kind of stuff? It's a hard, it's a hard balance for all of that stuff. Um, Street Fighter Six look really good. Again, Street Fighter Six is going to be a banger. They didn't, they announced DJ in the game, which very excited about seeing that character come back. Uh, and a couple of other characters that they pulled into the mix. A lot of beefy ladies up in that joint, which looked dope. Uh, so that was super cool uh, to see kind of pull in. Um, my biggest and weirdest kind of like game that got announced was the Bayonetta Origins game. I don't understand why that game is in existence. I don't understand why that was a thing. That was a weird, like, I don't know who this game is for. Like, the it, most interesting part about the game is like, for me now, was like, how does it actually run on the Switch? Does it work? Yeah, I hope so. Does it run? Yeah, it better. Like, all of those things are way more important to me now for any game that's on Switch now that is a first-party kind of title is, does it run well on the system? 
Like, that's the thing I actually care about now more than anything else is like, does it run well? Is it going to be playable? Is the frame rate going to be steady? Is it going to be real funky in some ways that we don't need? Um, that's going to be very, very, very interesting to see, you know, how that stuff kind of goes. Um, so I was like, who is this game for? Like, who was like, who was excited about a Bayonetta origin story, especially in that style, in that kind of game? Like, it feels like a filler, like a time filler for something else. Or like, we don't have a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline and this game is kind of ready. So let's push it out or at least get it ready to be pushed out. That kind of stuff, which is which is funky, uh, weird. Uh, Silent Ninja says they play on 4K Switch for trailers. Ha! I mean, look, if if there was a time to announce the Switch Pro with all the bad news that came out about some of the games that are coming out and the conversation about uh, Call of Duty now coming to Switch at some point, you know, if all the, you know, Blizzard acquisition stuff continues to go through, that's also going to be a really interesting conversation because the, the, run, the running narrative is like that game is going to run at 20 frames per second and how the hell is that game going to play well knowing that even on consoles on next gen you know current gen consoles they don't run well pc doesn't run well um so there's a lot of like tinkering that has to be done to get people really excited for what that winds up meaning for them in in that space in a real way um one other thing that was a well two there's two other things that i want to dig into the this one first and then the second one afterward but there was a th overall theme that i felt i'm kind of sick of and i feel like this was a thing that, that came away from watching the game awards this year and was like i'm kind of done with that and that's the that's the dark souls aesthetic that horror aesthetic that from software visual aesthetic I'm kind of tired of it. There were at least three or four different games in the Game Awards this year that had that vibe where you can tell that everyone seeing the growth of and the success of a game like Elden Ring really was the driving force behind so many different, you know, ideas around games kind of moving into the future. And I was like, man... We've seen so many other games and so many other aesthetics go pretty, go bright, go visually different that it's a little bit annoying to see how that aesthetic is now becoming one that everyone is trying to dig into. And it's boring. Like, I like it for the games that does it, that does it really well. But I also would love to see more dark more dark souls elden ring gameplay be pushed into as a as a gameplay direction that cribs from the uh gameplay sides of it and not the aesthetic i want more pretty versions of dark souls where you can go and have those those kind of elements in a game but it isn't just about you know malformed beings and you fighting big ugly monsters and that kind of stuff it was an interesting thing because elden ring did a fairly interesting job of like building the outer world as this very bright and airy space that had monsters in it and, and weird gross things in it and then had those like really dark you know catacomb spaces where you were fighting big ass ants and weird stuff that looked gross and all those kinds of things it was it was cooler to see that 
transition happened where you were able to see both kind of complement each other in their individual ways. And that part was really fun to be able to see. So that was cool. Like I liked that part. I think that that stuff was really fun and interesting, but it feels like we're getting back into this kind of dark and gloomy space that is not as fun to look at. And you kind of know what you're getting when you move into those kind of aesthetic spaces. It kind of sets the tone for what you have an expectation for in a gameplay sense too, which I think is also a way to flip that stuff on its head. Like give me a tiny Tina version of dark souls, right? Like give me something or Elden ring, like give me something in that space that feels vibrant, but also feels scary. Give me something that feels, you know, worrisome and, 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 and not dark and gloomy, but still has some of those same gameplay mechanics in it, which I think would be a really fun twist on it. I think that somebody has tried that and I don't know if it did well. Um, but I'm just really tired of that layer of the aesthetic. I think that that stuff is kind of boring and, and whack. I mean, it winds up getting reinforced too, because now we've seen Elden Ring and 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 you have God of War, both as kind of the games that brought home most of the awards, the big awards for um, this year on the Game Awards. And I wonder if that also means that like now we're going to see more and even more of that stuff. And I guess to a certain extent, you can't really do it, right? Like there are very few... Um, gaming companies who can do that kind of work. Uh, very few companies and studios who can do a, a Ragnarok God of War kind of game at that scale, that level. Very few studios who can do a big open world game like an Elden Ring in that way. But it doesn't mean that the smaller ones aren't going to try and those smaller ones that are going to try, I'm like, eh, I don't want to see it. I don't know. Anyway, um, some other surprises i'm going to go down the list of a couple of awards that did surprise me in terms of the folks that won so apologies while i read some of these off best indie game uh where the nominees were cult of the lamb neon white sifu stray and tunic and the winner of that category for best indie game was stray that is wild to me that is a bugged out win for best indie game of the year I don't understand it. That's that's that to me is nuts. Like Stray was good. Stray wasn't better than Cult of the Lamb. Stray wasn't better than Neon White. Stray was definitely not better than Sifu. I don't know who did that in that thing. And best debut indie game also went to Stray that beat out Here's the thing that 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 is mind-blowing in that category. Neon White, Norco, which I did not play. Stray Tunic and Vampire Survivors. That game beat out Vampire Survivors for best debut indie game. That is the wildest shit on the planet. Vampire Survivors should have won both best indie game and best debut indie game. I don't know how that game did not win both of those categories. That is one of the better games of this year. That was one of the best games of the past two years. Vampire Survivors is a game that should be lauded for all the cool stuff that is done with a minimalistic art style, minimalistic 8-bit, sprite-based aesthetic. That is, I've spent so much time playing that game that I don't understand how anyone can be like, yo, that game should have won um, at all for either one of those categories in my mind. That's nuts. Um, let's see. Uh, I know there's a couple other ones. Um, 
Best multiplayer game, Splatoon 3 won that one, beating Call of Duty 2, which I also think is a little bit rough and weird. Uh, content creator of the year, the Where the Negroes At award. Um, you know, Ludwig won that one. We all kind of knew Ludwig was going to win that one. He had a really big year in terms of the YouTube space. Uh, would also like to see at least one black person in this in my lifetime also be nominated for this. That would be cool. Uh, the fact that Kai Sinat uh, didn't get even close to being nominated for this award. His, his Twitch blow up was towards the later half of the year. But for him to not even be nominated is wild as hell to me. Um, that's bugged out. Um, I mean, I'm happy Carl Jacobs got uh, uh, a nominee, friend of the show. He's a dope human being. I like him a lot. I'm happy he was in there, but also like there's never any black people in any of these awards uh, for any of that stuff, which is nuts to me. Uh, let's see. Most anticipated game, Legend of Zelda. That's also, I get it. That makes sense. Even though I would have definitely pulled Starfield for that one. Um, <clears throat> I think, you know, those were the kind of biggest, what? Like, huh? How you figure that out? I don't understand that. That doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, awards that won for stuff. Um, but I do think like the biggest thing that I felt was the kind of most missing thing was Xbox. Xbox having basically no representation during the show in a profound way was nuts i i was expecting like i remember in the conversation uh while we were talking through uh you know things that were happening on the stream and stuff like that we were talking through all of those conversations and when it came time for world premiere you know that kind of stuff every time i had an expectation to see an xbox game in there were we gonna? It wasn't gonna be like world premiere. Wasn't gonna be for like Remnant, um, uh, Redfall, because we kind of we know that game is coming out. But the fact they had no world premieres for games like Perfect Dark, um, or like Perfect Dark didn't get anything, which I thought was weird. Like games that I hoped to have seen and I didn't see, Avowed would have been dope to be able to see some gameplay finally for that game, even if it's still early. Uh, Perfect Dark would have been brilliant to have been able to show for that. Um, you know, Redfall, a gameplay trailer of, of more stuff. They did one, but, you know, there's some space in there to do more of that. Um, Starfield still not having any gameplay is wild to me that we can that we can see. I think it was a really big missed opportunity for, for, for the Xbox team because in a space where even now after all of the conversation that has been there around acquisitions and has been there because i think everybody is still having this big conversation about what is it going to mean for the blizzard activision acquisition for xbox will they you know hold things back from other platforms and all that kind of stuff leadership has been saying from the get that we're not going to hold stuff away from other companies even though i think it makes a lot of sense to do so and they'll be strategic about the ones that they do hold because, again, you don't spend that kind of money for the ability to just give everybody the same access. I think the thing that was missed is showing all of that stuff. Like, there are games there that you need to be able to show. And I think the thing that also is is worrisome, well, not even worrisome, but was a thing that I really came away from it was 
you now have to do a little bit more work to be able to show why people are going to be spending their 70 bucks now. The conversation before last year was, and these are the running narratives, and I think these are the running narratives that we see across the space. Um, Sony is more about business and less about people, and less about the player. I mean, these are from, again, if you're looking at these conversations from non-fanboy conversations, Sony has done a lot of work to raise prices, to, uh, to, 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 to give language around why things are going to cost more for you, you know, why your console is going to cost $50 more, why the PSV VR2 is going to cost a lot more on the hardware side, why that stuff is going to be there. And they did the smart thing of ripping off the Band-Aid early and saying, look, New games are going to cost $70. You can get in the boat or not, right? Microsoft, up until two weeks ago, were in the driver's seat to say, yes, we are thinking about raising prices on some stuff. We haven't figured that out yet. This conversation happened in October when Phil Spencer went down and did the Wall Street Journal junket and said, hey, we don't know yet what's going to happen there's going to be some raising of some prices across some part of the ecosystem. We don't know exactly where yet. We don't think it's going to be hardware. So if you don't think it's hardware, it's more than likely going to be software. Then a couple of weeks ago, IGN broke the news that first party titles are going to be $70. Still, the big differentiator between the two is Game Pass. Because again, if you're subscribing to Game Pass, you still get those games day and date. You're spending money throughout the year for the for the access of getting those games day and date and not having to spend the $70. But now this parity between pricing between Sony and Microsoft in those two ways. And I think to not show stuff on the heels of that conversation also does them a disservice because it now says, hey, we're going to also ask for you to spend extra money but you do have options here if you don't want to spend that extra money right off the bat to compound that or to at least lessen that blow if you show me a bunch of stuff that gets me excited even if it's a known quantity that still gives me space to tell my friends when they are asking me for this holiday season which console to buy. And this has happened to me literally in the past 48 hours where I've had multiple parents of children ask me, hey, Khalif, what console do you think I should buy for my child? Because they're asking for a console. And literally the reason I tell them to go buy an Xbox is because of Game Pass. It is the big differentiator between both of these consoles right now. Silent Ninja with a big smiley face on his face, I'm sure in real life was like, put some respect on PS Plus, LOL JK. You're right. PS Plus still doesn't have the same kind of value that Game Pass does. Uh, Vicious 696, person I've never heard of before, says holding back makes no sense. You show it now or eight weeks from now, but you are still showing it. The FTC stuff is relevant in that sense. Exactly. Like, I think, again, you do that work because you know on both ends. And, and, and Paris talked about this on Gamertag Radio this week. So, you know, make sure you download that and check it out. He and Danny and, pa uh, and, and uh, Pete talked about this on the show this week. The upcoming show 
But it makes a lot of sense, right? Where it's like, if you want to do that work, what are you guarding against? You're guarding against buyer remorse. You're guarding against the market. You're guarding against the recession. You're guarding against all of these things. You don't lose a lot because you've already ripped the Band-Aid off and saying, look, games are going to be more expensive. We understand they're going to be more expensive. But we have all of these bangers that are coming out, even if it wasn't new. Even if you gave an updated, you know, look at a game, you don't lose anything by doing that. So it was really weird for them to not say anything prior to the show, which I'm okay with. But for them to not have anything in the show, that was weird. And I don't know what the and we're doing a little bit of the armchair quarterbacking now, right? Of trying to figure like what was the reason why, and and I'm probably stepping in a landmine by doing this because it doesn't make sense to do the hypotheticals. They they whatever the reasons were were the reasons, right? But it does make an interesting conversation for so what does this mean from the Xbox team going into 2023, where? the audiences from both sides of the fence are still looking for that, you know, that killer app, that killer game that's going to be on each one of their platforms to say, this is a reason why you should jump in. This is the reason why you should spend that extra $500 that you may not have because you want to play some games that are looking and feeling like they are a part of a next gen conversation. Um, They need to have something early in the year at least in Q1 to kind of offset some of that stuff. But also we have another conversation, right? Where if you even throw ourselves into the time machine, another eight months, right? Seven or eight months. E3 is coming back in a big way. Summer games fest is in the mix real heavy, which is the, the, you know, the fight between Keeley and E3. And we already had seen Microsoft and Sony step away from doing things on E3. With E3 coming back now being run by ReadPop, the folks who bring packs to you every year, does that change that conversation again where it's now being pulled away from the ESA, right? ReadPop is doing it and they know how to do conferences well. Does, you know, Xbox now say, maybe we pull our heavy hitters back into that space. We don't do the kind of one-off uh, showcases anymore. We do. Uh, they should do the showcases because they're really good. And it gives them the ability to pull in folks from the community to kind of help do hosting stuff. And it makes uh, another layer of messaging that you can have that is just solely run by you in a space that you own and, 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 and control. So I think that's an interesting conversation too to say like where does the big E3 where's the big Xbox announcement go now? Sony still has their state of play stuff but those are sporadic and they kind of come with they come with more warning but they don't really hit with the same force cuz you have a faceless voice narrating all the stuff that's happening is very Nintendo Direct and I've I've never really cared for Nintendo Directs. So I think there's going to be a lot of conversation there around where does all of this stuff go in a way that continues to excite players and give them space to be the PR machine for these companies by talking about the games in the same ways that we're doing it right now. So, you know, it was a big disappointment. Um, I would have also loved to have seen 
and uh, more stuff about PSVR 2. I mean, I, I finally got the chance to pre-order mine, so I'm going to get mine in February. You know, if I'm still alive in February, that'll be good. Um, and, it, and, and it just begs the question of like, what do each one of these companies do to continue to build hype around the stuff they're making? Um, it'll be it'll be cool to see what happens in the next couple of months, especially at the beginning of the new year. I think a lot of folks are still thinking about what they want that conversation to be and where it's going to land for for them. And, and what's the kind of first salvo that gets thrown into the to the world? You know, is it going to be Redfall? Is that going to be the big be the big thing? Is it really going to be Starfield? Is Starfield just going to get its own dedicated event, which I think they should and probably will? Um, you know, all the games that were on PlayStation 5 that got announced during the Game Awards are ways out for the most part, I would think. Like, I also, in, a, in an interesting way where the last showcase that we saw, or the last big event that we saw from Xbox, the initial conversation was all of the games that you're going to see in this showcase are going to be things that are going to be coming up in the next year to go away from that messaging now at the game awards is 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 weird it's weird i'm sure they'll have another showcase that we'll talk a little bit about that potentially in that same way with that same messaging but for now it was a huge disappointment because i think they had the most to prove and they still haven't proven it yet we have a lot of questions about the games that are going to be coming out on the platform even though i'm extremely excited about it i'm excited about what they're going to potentially be but i just need to see more of it come down the pipeline um before we get about it here uh i do want to talk a little bit about forspoken forspoken was a demo that got dropped during the game awards actually really in a fantastic way and surprising way which i think was really really uh smart i do love that they have all of these kind of like we got a demo out for the game you just talked about and you can go play it right now those are smart i think from a marketing perspective those are smart to 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 grow hype and to grow energy around a thing really smart way to do it played the forespoken demo and i don't know if i like forespoken i've i turned on it when I saw the trailer, because I was like, damn, this looks really good. This looks really fun. But the same thing that people talked about in terms of like how verbose the character was and how chatty that character was, that character talks too much during the game. And it's all bratty valley girl kind of shit. And it's weird. And I don't know if I like it, especially because that character could have been cool, but also... Like it feel like I want. The, here's the thing that I'm dying to see. Looking at how that character speaks and talks, right? That character is supposed to be based in uh, as a kid from New York. I want to see what their fictional version of New York looks like. As a New Yorker, I am infinitely excited to see how that company is going to depict New York. And then whatever the hell you want to do in the fantasy world is going to be real weird. Real weird. Thirsty Panda says, no New Yorker talks like that. That's my point, too. No New Yorker that I know talks like that. Even the most bougie Williamsburg kids don't talk like that. And it's nuts. I'm like, what part of New York did you find this kid from? I don't know where she's from. She damn sure ain't from New York that I knew. And I was like, it's weird. It's kind of grating, like uh, Cameron says. 
And it just doesn't fit the world. Like people don't talk to themselves in that way around things that they're doing and 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 connecting to and touching and all that kind of stuff. There's just not a way that people do that, which I found to be extremely weird. It's just really weird in the way that that works. So I don't know. I, I think I think it's a funky, weird conversation. I think it's weird in the way that it kind of comes across in the show. I think it's I mean in the game. I think the combat feels good, but also feels clunky. The UI in that, and again, this is a demo. This is not the full version of the game. I'm sure they're going to do some fixes on it. UI was real small and hard to see. Uh, the way that powers kind of feel don't feel that good. It feels like they mashed in like Final Fantasy summons into a game that kind of is cool but also doesn't feel good there was like some weird stuff the uh comma says there's some weird fisheye lens stuff in the ui i don't mind that stuff like i think the ui stuff is kind of cool i don't mind that bending around the 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 visible layers the edges of the thing that's supposed to be an aesthetic design i think it works sometimes and doesn't you see it often when it comes to when you're in a mech or you're in a robot and it's supposed to simulate what the the screen is supposed to look like as you as a first person viewer that stuff i don't mind i did like the nails stuff so if you're not familiar one of the ways that it determines and you can pick powers is the nail color that you have on nail design that you use i thought that was pretty cool that is a drill down on the kind of like you know your clothing and your stuff um, that you wear is imbued with certain kind of st- certain kind of stats and things like that. That stuff's kind of cool, um, but like the way you traverse in that game, like it just feels too. It feels off and on and clunky and spurty. Doesn't feel smooth in the way that you had hoped. Army, uh, uh, you know, aiming at stuff. You know, when you're not locked onto a character, it feels weird and funky. I think that game is going to be a love or a hate. Like people are going to love that game or they're going to hate that game in a real way. And I just don't, I am I, currently on still the, like, I want to play it, but I don't think it's going to be that good um, in terms of where it's going to go. Um, but I do like the idea of the enemies there. It's like, you're fighting this like band of, of, of super powerful, like witch women that you're going to try to fight and, and, and kind of get back to your world. But it's also like a weird thing of like, even if you think about the setting that they're trying to build, what the hell is your motivation as some random black kid who got taken and plucked out of New York and put into fantasy land to go fight all these witches that have nothing to do with you, didn't know you were here, and now you're the sole person who's supposed to take all of them down? For what? That's a weird premise to start from. Like most games do that, but it's also super weird to have it in a game like this where what? Like for what? Like there's no real, like what's the, I want to hear the reasoning for why this character is supposed to have the motivation to put their own body in jeopardy to fight these demons and monsters and stuff with no knowledge of this land beforehand and all of this stuff. It wasn't like there was some premonitions about, oh, you're going to be this child who's going to save this world and this kind of stuff. It's a, just a real weird game in terms of what they're trying to do um, and stuff. It definitely feels like a when game companies and game studios talk about how they had to build a vertical slice of a game for E3 or something like that, and sometimes it's not the best version of it, this is exactly what that felt like. 
So really interesting and weird. So um, we're going to get about it here for this episode of Spawn on Me again. Thank you to everybody who's been watching us live here on Twitch.tv slash Spawn on Me. Uh, I'm going to try to nail down a better schedule for streaming stuff. I've been trying to move around dates and, you know, working through stuff and trying to figure out things. Uh, you know, my nine to five is going to be going on vacation very, very soon as well. So uh, there'll be more time to stream some stuff. I've been playing a lot of Predecessor offline. I've been playing a couple of other games for Embargo. Uh, that stuff is in that mix too. Um, so you may see me playing some Pred online and stuff on on, on our channel. Uh, a thing that you should do um, is if you are really hyped about the Spawnies, we've been looking for folks to be co-streamers for the Spawnies. We're thinking about what a co-streamer kind of kit would be. You know, maybe a small overlay that you put in the bottom of your screen. Um, there's a couple of streamers who I think still potentially have access to the voting layers of our stuff. Um, we're going to be doing some fun things in that area for Spawnies in January, late January. Um, a thing you should do if you want to subscribe to our Twitch channel, one of the biggest problems on Twitch has been ads. We had folks today even talk about, God, we got six ads in a row. And again, I'm sorry, I don't run the ads manager without turning it off. I try to run ads in the beginning of the show so that we don't get them, you know, later in the show, but it kind of depends on what Twitch wants to do. I think that I would tell you to do as a way to kind of circumvent some of that stuff is in January, because our show will be running in January. That's the best time to subscribe to the Spawn of Me Twitch channel. That way you won't get any ads, you know, or use your Twitch primes uh, for that month during January. Use it. During that month, if you want to spend, you want to, you know, help us grow five bucks, we'll, ge we'll keep the ads off of the main performance of the show, off the full show. Um, it's a thing to think about. Uh, I'm not going to lobby for it because, again, we're in a recession. People have money to spend for, for other things besides seeing my beautiful robe on, on stream. But if, if you do, if you don't want that Mega Ran moment to happen again, that happened last year where Mega Ran was doing the dopest performance and then an ad got blocked in the middle of it that's going to be a best way to do it because this year we're we're potentially going to we have more ads to run in the show that are baked into the show uh from our sponsors twitch and xbox are sponsoring the show and we want to make sure that they get their time uh to be able to see the ads that they've put into our show that are baked in and not uh, not the dynamic ones that you get when you when you log into twitch they're not long but they're they're in there so that's a part of the conversation. And I want people to be able to see that stuff. And I also don't want you to miss any of the music performances that we have for the show this year. You know, they're, they're dope. So I want you to see them in their entirety and, and, and be able to kind of absorb them in a real way. Uh, I don't want that vibe to get crushed by Twitch ads. So, excuse me. Um, pay attention to that. I'll be talking about that stuff in January a bunch to, to, to give you the heads up again. Perfect time to subscribe to the channel if you're really excited about Spawnies and want an ad-free experience. Perfect way to kind of do that stuff. Um, this will be going up tomorrow on the feeds. Make sure you're paying attention to that stuff. We had a really good time on uh, Spotify Wrap this year, actually. Our show has grown, at least on Spotify, 22%. Wonderful stat to kind of pull in. Um, we want that number to always grow wherever we go. So it was wonderful to see all of you at home listen to us on that platform and all the other platforms that we are on. And, you know, for a show that is coming up on its 10th year in January of next year, to still see growth is really dope. I can't front. 
I was feeling real down about how we were in the ratings and how we are because we're never in the top. But we're we we used to be in the top two hundred a lot, and we've kind of fallen out of the top two hundred. Some of that is me not putting out shows all the time. Some of that is just like the way that shows work and moving in and out of that spot is is funky. But I want to get back to into the top two hundred for the video game space. You know, moving into our tenth year. Um, so please spread the show, share it out, tell people you think it's dope, tell them why you think it's dope, all that kind of stuff. Shout out to Tiger Man sixty, who's who's had their first time chatting in our in our channel today. What's up, Tiger Man? How you doing? Thank you so much for coming through. Uh, but work. We're going to get about it here. Much love to you all. We're going to see you all next week with some more dopeness. I'm trying to book some shows. You'll see me also on some fun stuff. Uh, I was on Video Game Feelings this week. Uh, that show came out. Uh, and there's going to be some fun projects coming up into the next year as well. Uh, so please, please, please remember to subscribe, 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 and share the love wherever you can. Much love to you all. See you all next week. Much love and peace. <laughs>